Hello and welcome. I am Angel. And I am Jason. And welcome to, to oh, power. Be, nope. To, wow. Welcome to power, power hour. hour. There. Wow. That was awful. Wow. Um, that was painful. That was really bad. That was also our intro. That you don't um, get music, people. You get that. You don't. Even, you don't even yeah, get to well, ease in. You just get that. That was it. And <laughs> yeah, um, just started unthinked, uncoordinated. Kind of describes us right now. Yeah, do you want to explain what's going on, Angel, and why this is not Quarantine Chronicles or Random Nintendo? Um, yeah, so we just, um, unfortunately, Kevin, um, is unavailable at the moment, and... And we don't know we why. We wanted to, <laughs> yeah, and we, and we wanted to provide something, and this is something, and now we're here. Yeah, it's, uh, we all know where Kevin is, truthfully. I'm sure he's fine, but we don't know, like, we might need to, like... Stick his face on some milk carton, or his little me on some milk cartons coming up here because he's MIA. So we figured, like you're saying, um, we don't have, you know, you know our thoughts on media, you know our thoughts on Nintendo, but we owe you. We didn't have a QC two weeks ago, and uh, we gotta do something. So it's it's Power Hour, whatever that means. I don't even know if it's gonna be a full hour. Could be ten minutes. Yeah, we don't even have, I guess, <laughs> rotating topics every. Actually, that sounded like that could have been a good idea. We have a new topic every minute, like an actual power hour. Oh my I god, how would that even work? And for an hour, do you realize the time it would take to stack <laughs> that out? Topic. The time it would Honestly, take. Honestly, if planned actually, out, that right? It, that could that be hard. interesting. I yeah. mean, people would have Should to. We... we would essentially have to give twenty second impressions each, and then we move on to the. I mean, you know, if Kevin's here on the next one, would we do an actual power hour? Of sorts. Well, hold on. We could pull this off. Like, should we stop this recording and write 30 topics and just do minute-long impressions of them? It's possible. I don't think, I think, but I think by the time we had it done, Kevin would wake up from his deep slumber he's probably in right now and be able to do a normal QC and it would all go to waste. But, but I think we could pull it off. We've only been podcasting for just about 10 years. We know how to come up with things to talk about. It's totally doable. We were just discussing this before we even started, and we could barely come up with two topics. Listen, two, 60, <laughs> like, they're the same number. It's not that bad. It's only at 30 more than what we have. Yeah, I think we're better off just sticking with this, maybe right. saving that for actual time. All right, well, let's take a cue from QC, since we don't really do it around Nintendo as much. How are you doing, Angel? What, what What's up? I'm doing okay. Um discovered a new type of bread that's really good i couldn't tell you what it's called but it's very plain soft fluffy and it has like a not so much a chocolate filling it's not so much a chocolate filling as as it is just like having a pencil sized bar of chocolate going down the middle that is because the actual bread itself is maybe uh, let's say if you extend your hand no that is way too big oh okay it's a little bigger than the average size of a post-it what like i thought you're gonna be describing have... a croissant for a second because that's how croissants work and by the way welcome to power hour where we talk about bread but i thought like croissants are usually you know they just have the bar of chocolate down the middle chocolate croissants but this is yeah so, uh, so so imagine a croissant just without like the pointy edges but it's like it's a little rounder um, on all on all sides, and it just has like one simple strand of chocolate down the middle. Oh, I know what you're talking it, about. Actually, I don't know what they're called, but they're uh, they're sort of flaky, like a, a croissant too, right? A little. Uh, not really flaky. Never it mind, has like then. an Italian sounding name. Mm. Um, you know, I literally have some. I could just run over there and look at what they're called, but then that would mean that Jason would have to entertain you guys for like. I mean, 10 we have seconds. to. We have to. It's, it's the power hour, so if it takes you, 10 you know seconds, what? that's ten fewer it, it, seconds that we have to worry about. Yeah, it, it does seem weird that um, well, we'll, well here, post well, the name. The I, yeah, the we'll, we'll, we'll both. I don't know if any of you remember, but on our first episode of Quarantine Chronicles, I talked about the anime Silver Spoon in great detail oh without ever mentioning the title of that anime that we had to add it onto the the notes on the bottom. And I gave you so such a stands. hard time about that too because it's not like you're new to podcasting. Like we talked about games at that point for nine straight years <laughs> and you always knew at some point to say the subject of your sentence. But somehow you talk about a whole anime without ever saying what you're talking about. Truly a <laughs> Truly a scam. Yeah, I think on the timestamp it was called Silver Spoon is the anime Angel was talking about. Yeah, that's exactly what we called it. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it, this um, time we are aware of it, so we'll put blank is the bread that Angel was talking about. Well, and you know that if is, nothing else is motivation to go com and check out the show notes. We have timestamps for I don't know what it's for yet, but we'll have timestamps for this mess. Oh, somehow I already forgot to put timestamps. Well, we haven't talked <laughs> well, about anything yet, so it's okay. Uh, but um, but also you know it's a good opportunity if you want to hear some more structured thoughts. We have all the archives of all our actual content, opposed to this like weird behind the scenes. Yeah, we literally there's more really intimate chat up. between us. It's very, yeah. it's just off the cuff of it. I, I mean, one thing I could tell you is for people who um, have been following the saga of how I record this podcast, because every so often in QC and I think even around Nintendo, I'm like, oh, I'm at my parents' house or I'm this or I'm that. I'm now recording in a tiny closet in my apartment. This is the second episode I'm doing there. I have to do it here because there's no echo, but I have. If I turn to my left, my face is in a pile of shirts. If I turn to my right, my face is in a pile of shirts. I have very little space to work with. But just to bring closure to everyone who can't sleep not knowing you know, where I'm recording these days, it's a closet. And does it feel claustrophobic when you're recording? I mean I know Weirdly, people do this for many projects in general. I know it's like a thing, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm it's, always been curious it's, what it's actually like. So it's it's not exactly claustrophobic. It's dark? Do you have a light? It's, no, there's a light. So, so originally – to really set the scene. Originally, when I moved into the apartment, uh, my girlfriend and I had the idea of there was this kind of cupboard, like a walking cupboard. Like it wasn't a closet, but it wasn't a normal cupboard. It was like a floor-to-ceiling cupboard. And we realized we could fit like a table in there kind of. We're gonna, I was going to do like a podcast too, and it was going to be really slick. And it was going to have like this kind of floor-to-ceiling, like pressed against the wall, like ladder desk thing. And it was going to be great. And we were going to get foam boards to muffle the sound. And then like two days later, we discovered that our neighbor against that wall teaches piano lessons on, in the morning. <laughs> so I was like, well, unless everyone wants to hear the lovely melodies of piano in the background of sales numbers, um, which might make them better. I don't know. But uh, yeah, decided not to do that. And then the other thing we realized is so there are three cats I live with, as I think I've said before. And two of the cats, their litter box and their food and stuff is right outside that cupboard. So – um, there'd be noise when recording, especially one of the cats. She doesn't understand how to properly use a litter box. Like she um, learned from her family members that you make some noise when you're done using the litter box. Like what they're doing is burying in the litter. What she does is just full speed hit the side of the wall, like hit the box wall just to make a noise because she thinks that's what she's supposed to do. So she'll just sit there going like bang, 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 for like a good like 45 seconds because she thinks that's what you're supposed to do. She doesn't understand what the noise means. So um, – We'd be, Is there you know, any way to correct that behavior? I don't know, but it's – I mean I don't know because she's like seen her brother and her mom use the litter box. I don't know, but it's just really funny. And like she's, she's not like messy or anything, so it's fine. But it's just like really funny to like just be sitting there because that's also my office when I do work and just hear like I'll be on a call and I'm just like bang, 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 bang. But obviously that doesn't work for a podcast. So I'm sort of two doors deep because I'm – our bedroom, we close that door's closed, and then I'm in a closet with that door closed. So there's no real way for the kittens to disrupt. But to your point about claustrophobic, it is kind of strange. It's not super claustrophobic because there's no clothing directly in yeah, front of me. You're pretty there's tall like, and lanky, so I am tall and lanky, and I'm in a tall chair that's too tall for the space right now. But so I'm kind of hunched. But uh, yeah, no, in front of me there's kind of an emptiness, which is nice. Um, but to the left and right, definitely like if I wiggle my head here, I'm like bonking clothing. So it's definitely different, but. You know, it, it's for for the podcast. Some real inside baseball for people that probably didn't need to know or care. But yeah, it, it's not bad. It's not bad. I w- um, would I recommend it if you're looking to start a podcast? Um, you may want more elbow room. You may want something that has like an air conditioning vent when the summer approaches. But you know, I'm fine. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what's your set Good. these days? What's your set? Well, before I continue that, let me just quickly wrap up my thought because I never actually finished what I was saying about that said bread. Oh, um, right, right. This is what happens when it's unplanned. See, look at this. It's a mess. Yeah, yeah, perfectly fine. Yeah, well, this bread, whatever it's called, um, mystery bread. I was called a mystery Italian bread. Probably not even Italian. Might be French for all I know. But, oh my God, it's so good. I don't know why, because it doesn't have any striking flavor. It's not sweet. It's not overly sweet. It's like kind of... You can almost describe it kind of plain. Maybe this is like one of those when you get older, you start to like other things that aren't always just sweet. Kind of like how there's a Cocoa Puffs milkshake that they had at Burger King a long time ago. No, it was. Yeah, it was at Burger King that it wasn't overly it wasn't sickly sweet. It wasn't cloy. I think that's the proper term for it. Um, It was just like just chocolatey enough that you get that 
sense of chocolate. But because of that, you are able to like drink so much of it without getting sick of it. And it just ends up being really good versus something that like there's a shake from Jer- Jersey Mike's from Ben and Jerry called Addicted to Chocolate that has like chocolate fudge, chocolate bits, like so many, like four different types of chocolate in there. And you take like one sip and it's like, whoa, this is really good. And you take another and you're like, uh, I think I'm done. And have you have you ever had um, – probably not because you don't have the Jewish background like I do. Have you ever had Manischewitz wine? Because what you're describing is Manischewitz wine to a T. Because um, Manischewitz is this wine that's like notoriously kind of a joke among Jews like myself. But uh, it's super sweet grape juice that's alcoholic essentially. It's like you take a sip. You're like, oh, this is dangerous. And you take like three more sips and you're like, oh, my – like heart's gonna explode from the sweetness like it's so like it, it just hits you so fast the sweetness that it like wow. yeah like I, I get what you're saying it's something that like as a kid I remember one time for Passover as a kid uh, my parents were like oh yeah you can have a little wine so a friend and I like did half a glass of grape juice the Manischewitz yeah so half a glass of grape juice and half a glass of the Manischewitz and um yeah at the time I was like oh this is delicious but then just a few weeks ago it was Passover and I had Manischewitz again for the first time and Years, because I don't really do anything for Passover. I'm a, I'm a bad Jew. I don't do anything religious, but um, my my girlfriend's family does. So I was at their Passover seder and had Manischewitz for the first time so long. And exactly what you're describing with that Ben Jerry's milkshake was how I felt with Manischewitz. Like the first sip, oh, this is great. The second sip, oh, this is a mistake. And I proceeded to have like three more glasses, but that's neither here nor there. Oh. Well, <laughs> I think what makes it great about that bread, I guess, in contrast to the shake, is that. It's not like the sweet kind of chocolate. Like it's almost just a little bitter. Not to the point where it's like full-on dark chocolate. Because I'm actually not the biggest fan of dark chocolate. Or even natural cocoa chocolate. Because I've had a friend that has given me like, oh, here. I guess, yeah, I guess it's a cacao one. But there was like a, a chocolate bar that he's always like, oh, this is like amazing. like the best chocolate ever. And then I had it and I thought it was disgusting. Like I'm like, it barely tastes like chocolate. Like what the hell is this? And, um, you know, that's just pretty much non-processed, like, pure chocolate. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, man, that kind of sucks that I guess I can't enjoy legitimate chocolate. Like, I need that processed stuff. Kind of like how I legitimately dislike natural strawberries. I But I love artificial strawberry flavoring. I just, yeah, I don't know. I used to be like that with a lot of fruit, honestly. Um, Like, I, and even sometimes, like, I can do, like, mango flavoring, but I can't eat a mango. Like, it's just the texture that, like, I don't want to call it slime because I feel like I'm doing a disservice to people who like mangoes. Oh, I do love mangoes. But... That slime, <laughs> like, that, that, like, that, like, re- <laughs> that, like, slickness, I don't know, it just rubs me the wrong way, but the taste is totally fine. It's like, I'll get a mango, whatever, but, like, flavored, you know, like, yeah. yeah, but, like, I like that with mango, pineapple? I cannot. Uh, well, pi- so, pineapple definitely has a unique texture. Pineapple's interesting in that I love it's it brandy. on pizza. I love pineapple on pizza, and I know, like, we just lost half our audience forever because I said that. But I love pineapple on pizza. But, like, if I take a bite into a pineapple, it's, like, too much. It's not the texture. It's, like, too much of the texture. I don't know. It's really weird. I'm weird about fruit. But, um, like, bits (laughs) of pineapple I could do. Full pineapple. mm, Kind of. Damn. Well, to go back again to the bread. (laughs) Um, We'll we'll see how many tangents this bread causes. Um, we should rename this to yeah. the bread out. So, 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 so the chocolate inside, like, it's just enough bitter that it tastes a little different. That doesn't taste already sweet. But because there's so much space, like, around the chocolate, like, it's just pretty much a bunch of bread and then, like, one little layer of chocolate. That, I don't know why, but, like, the plainness of the bread just kind of complements the bitterness of that chocolate and it just tastes really good. And I think, like, my favorite thing about it is just how spongy it is and by spongy i don't mean like it's like moist and wet like a sponge i mean like oh god uh well go on go on (laughs) well because like because you end up making it wet and moist but essentially like like it presses in and it pops out type of thing like it's like it has that fluff kind of yeah yeah because it's not super fluffy but you know it, it does have some what was the word for that uh Unpressedness. I don't know. Whatever. Um, mm, technical term. So yep. the be- so the best thing about this bread is that it's like the best thing to dip. So like if you dip it in milk or chocolate milk, as I would prefer, because that's amazing. Um, 
yeah, like when you take a bite into it with the chocolate milk, like it just absorbs so much of it that it just kind of like <laughs> blasts your mouth with chocolate flavor. The the more sweet, <laughs> nest quick, getting mixed with the slightly bitter chocolate with the almost vanillish quality of the bread, like just things. It's um, it's quite beautiful. <laughs> Ajo, you are doing actually. a better job analyzing this bread than I've heard you discuss any video game on our show. <laughs> <laughs> or any show on QC. Like, this is your calling. You should be a food critic. You're you're not well, speaking words. You're 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 telling. You're you're not saying words. You're speaking poetry here. Like, you, you should invest in I mean, this in your future. I'm just like very impressed by this bread because normally, like, I would say one of my favorite breads of all time. Just like um, coming from like a more like like you know Mexican being exposed to more Mexican culture and like the Mexican breads that we usually have. You know, you have your borregos, which are just like these round sweet breads with a chocolate or vanilla or something strawberry like sugar coating on top. And then there's the elote, the one that I'm that it, that I would say is still one of my favorites. It's pretty much just like a straightened out croissant. It's not croissant bread, it's just a shape. Um and it has like a yellow soft interior that's not like a filling, like a jelly, but it's just like another type of bread that's just softer. But it it's all coated in sugar. Everything in like all the sweet bread are just like coated in sugar. It's like they literally dip the bread in sugar and take them out. But this one is like the opposite. It's like trying not to do that, but I somehow end up really liking it. Is it my favorite bread of all time? I don't know. I think I really need the chocolate milk to like really bring it up to really bring out its full potential um potential but yeah i don't know i would really recommend this whatever it's called and whenever i find out whatever the thing is called i will make sure to put that on the bottom because i think it's worth a try i need the chocolate milk maybe if you like the oh my god speaking of chocolate milk um how many i mean you are you kind of like a powder Different types. Oh, wait, you're not even a milk person. I, I don't drink that. milk. Man, we're reviewing so much. Wow, it's such what an a intimate weirdo. conversation. I've so, talked about being bad at being Jewish. I've talked okay, about bad at, 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 lact- humaning. Um, at lact- so why, lactose. Um, so why, I we, don't the, know. So as a kid, man, you guys are learning my deepest, darkest secrets. Yeah, so as a kid, I didn't really like milk. Occasionally, I, I tried chocolate milk. It never came up it would in okay. any podcast. It, I don't know how it would. <laughs> frankly <laughs> like, like what are we doing talking about Zelda and I'm like yeah and what's really cool is so Lon Lon Milk is back the first time since Ocarina Time and you just go but you don't drink milk like how would that come up um, I mean that sounds like something that we would have said actually 100% but... I think I just exactly played it out how it would come up but uh, yeah no as a kid I didn't really like milk um, to the point where like my mom was like you're not getting enough calcium it would have me like as a kid like have a tum tablet a day because there's calcium in it not kidding and there were like these calcium chews that were supposedly chocolate that were disgusting but they said they were chocolate. They definitely didn't taste like chocolate. Anyway, um, yeah, I didn't really like milk as a kid. Occasionally, I would try chocolate milk and be kind of eh. I don't really know why I didn't like milk. I think at some point it was a mental thing, like me just saying I don't like milk. So every time I tried to drink milk, my body just like, but you don't like milk. Um, I like milkshakes. I like ice cream. I like everything that contains milk, butter, cream, what have you. So clearly, it's just some weird mental thing. But yeah, I don't like milk. Never really drank milk. Uh, continue to not drink milk. Um, but we'll drink and eat things that contain milk. Like milk chocolate's fine. A cho- I had a chocolate shake uh, like two nights ago from Shake Shack. I wasn't like, oh, God, milk. I was just like, mm, milkshake. So it makes no sense. I'm not trying to have it make sense. Uh, but, yeah, it's I just never liked milk. I never had milk. Oh, man. Well, apparently damn, I'm missing I guess out I based on that reaction. Yeah, just a little. Like maybe not so much like regular milk, you know, just the regular white stuff. But um, there are – Many a variety of, I guess, like, flavor enhancement powder. <laughs> I was just call it that. Um, I grew up with trying a few different types of Nesquicks that were very different and just, I don't know, they were all really good. And I am shocked I haven't revisited any, but I guess they're not exactly the most readily available thing. At least at Costco, which is usually where we go shopping. Um, I think I would have to go to, I was going to say an Albertsons, but... That closed down near me. I think it's. I don't know if, if that's a common thing nationwide, but yeah, no, they, they they uh they had to sell off some Albertsons because Albertsons and Vons 
merged. So Albertsons and Safeway for people outside of California merged, and uh, part uh-huh. of the deal. So why because did it be... turn into a Vons? They turned into well, a, that, that's North the thing. Gate. No, that's the thing. Is because of how many stores, because of the footprint they would have, being this one conglomerate that would essentially be Safeway, Vons, Albertsons, Pavilions, Lucky, and I think another one because they each own like two. Um, mm. The deal they made with the government was we will, in order to have all these stores elsewhere in the country, sell off the California Albertsons. So all the Albertsons in California basically shut down at once. And suddenly all these neighborhoods that would have Albertsons as a primary grocery store didn't. And some sat empty for a while. Uh, Smart and Final, which is kind of like a weird hybrid of like a Costco and a supermarket, took over some of them. But then some of those ended up closing. Uh, there's Fresh and Easy, which you may, which was kind of like a fast, casual, like pre-made food place that also was a grocery store. Uh, took over some of them, expanded way too fast, ended up folding it like in and of itself. It shut down. So like those spaces have just been kind of this weird turnover because Albertsons had the infrastructure to do it, and it was just this power, <laughs> the supermarket power vacuum, and all these other things were trying to like butt in, and didn't have the same, uh, you know, the same infrastructure essentially for deliveries of food to all those locations at once. So they had to scale up super quick, damn, and ended up not being able to pull it off. So. And there's the kind of like typical analysis you expect from these podcasts. Just usually not about supermarkets and about video games, but you know, gotta slip it in. Yeah, I didn't. You didn't expect that, did you? You did not expect that. (laughs) No, but it gives me much appreciated context because for there was a period where the, I guess the Arbuses that I'm referring to that's like about a mile and a half from my house, it was first like a Lucky, then it was an Arbuses, then it was a Lucky again, then it was an Arbuses again. And now it's you know like I mentioned it's turning into a Northgate, but what is yeah pretty much Northgate. I've only ever seen one other one, but it's basically an Albertsons, just more. I think it has more emphasis on the the meats and deli side of it. Like Mm. I think there when I went last time went to one of them, that area where you go get your your cuts of meat and stuff was just much much bigger and more pronounced. And I want to say it had a much more Mexican theme Mm. as well. Interesting. It's interesting they're opening a Northgate and Southgate because that's not at all confusing for anyone. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Um, Don't quote me on this, but I want to say Northgate was started. It was like an American dream kind of story where someone came in with almost nothing and they started a grocery supermarket where it was supposed to be like, oh, you know, all the local things that you want from Mexico, but... Here in the U.S., and then it kind of blew up into that. Well, That's maybe cool. not blew up. I don't know how wide it is. It, but... it did well enough that it was a success, and it can expand at some level. Yeah. yeah. That is – well, that story is definitely true of a supermarket chain. I don't know about <laughs> this one, but I'm pretty sure it's this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, um, all right. Yeah, maybe yeah, – it just kind of reminds me of the whole Chef Boyardee thing, which was, I also found incredibly interesting. You should explain but... – yeah, that one's interesting. You should tell that story. I mean, let's just – Well, before we get to that, yeah, let's, let's, well, 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 let's wrap up the milk stuff. Oh right, um, we're still technically we're still on your bread indirectly. Oh uh, well, we, we kind I mean, of. I mean, if you think about, I mean, you're saying the bread needs the milk. This, so is, this, this is still is the, the new, same. This is, yeah, same yeah. Thing it just talk. spun off. It's just yeah. yeah. It's just the next cart in the train. Um, but yeah, the milk. Um, yeah, if you go to these supermarkets, oh man, yeah, um, <laughs> you will occasionally find. Well, I'm sure there are different brands of them, but the only ones I've been used to seeing are Nesquik, and. They have banana flavor and strawberry flavor as well, you know, in addition to chocolate. And they taste surprisingly good. The but the banana and strawberry flavor, I would say the banana flavor in particular, I thought was really, really good. I don't know why, but like before that, I know outside of a milkshake, I don't think I've ever really thought of like or ever craved like a, you know, banana flavored milk or banana flavored milkshake. Or banana flavored drink in general, but for some reason it just worked really well with milk. I don't know what it is about the consistency or anything of the milk, but it just goes well with banana flavor and strawberry. Oh my god, that one was like also just a surprise hit. Um, I need to get more of these things. A hit with who? But, with just you? <laughs> Do you call it a hit when you like it by yourself? Well, my siblings and I. Oh, okay. Just and anyone that, that I knew, like I mean, if you ask our friend Gilbert or anyone like that, I guess would have maybe tried these at some point, they would say that it tastes really good. Okay. Yeah, just... And it was almost a tradition. Like, I remember going to Disneyland and seeing, like, you know, the light parade back in the day before Mm -hmm. it was brought back. And just, like, having a 
like I guess a bottled Nesquik strawberry flavor just because that was like one of the few times that we would get them bottled because they would happen to have them there and it's like oh let's get a different flavor because we have chocolate at home but yeah if you like milk and you're interested in trying different flavors I definitely recommend checking out the banana or strawberry one if you ever have the chance we, we should back this up if you listen to this podcast with Nintendo for Nintendo news and then you listen to the spinoffs for uh, media impressions and then you happen to listen to this thing and just happen to like milk that's a recommendation for you, specifically you. <laughs> the majority of the people is safe to assume like milk. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Um, I will say, do you remember when Nesquik was briefly Nestle Quick before going back to Nesquik? I don't. Yeah, they they changed uh, a couple of years maybe, but yeah, there's it was Nesquik, and then Nestle was trying to get their name more prominent here in the states because Nestle's huge in Europe, like everything's Nestle, but here it's not quite as prevalent. So it became Nestle Quick, and then they went backwards again at some point. I don't know when. It went back to Nesquik. It's very much like the Nintendo DS, 3DS, Wii, Wii U, Bizarro branding shenanigans, except they actually reversed course on like Nintendo who just like doubled down until the Switch. But um, yeah, I always remember I hear Nesquik, I was like, oh yeah, the one that like wasn't Nesquik for like two years or four years or whatever it was. And they still had the rabbit and everything. They just like added a syllable. So huh. Yeah. That worked. Yeah. But oh, that's right. So I guess Chef Boyardee. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I before um, I watched some video on YouTube, um, which I'll try to find the name or something. I think it was something called Company Man, which if you have never heard of that channel, I definitely recommend it. It's extremely informative. They pretty much um, focus on talking about brands that are bigger than you may know. I think that's literally the name of one of their series. Or they have like the rise and fall of blank. And... Yeah, the the amount of research that, that goes into these is way more than I would have ever expected. Because they go into, you know, like literally, like, you know, the founder who every trial and error, every failed attempt, a succession. I don't know. It, it All these, I don't know. It, it makes it really interesting. Even when it's like a company I wasn't necessarily interested in. Just like hearing the stories of these people that worked hard or made these deals or made the right or wrong choices. Even how Red Bull was founded and all these other things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's It's interesting. But Chef Boyardee, like, many or maybe not so many, um, I didn't know he was, like, an actual person. I thought it was just, like, a mascot made up for, you know, just the branding of these kids. Like the Nesquik bunny like, or the Keebler elf or I'm waiting for one of these to actually be real, too. But, yeah, something like that, right? Or, uh, or the yellow M&M. Yeah, or, or the Colonel. Or the Colonel. Like, well, yeah. or, or, or Captain Crunch. Yeah, well, the Colonel exists to be a Captain. Yeah, exactly. Ca- hey, um, Captain Crunch is a captain. He, he earned those stripes. Somehow. Did he? Somehow. On his pirate ship? Is that what the lore they go with is? He has like a pirate ship or something? There's definitely a whole lore to it. He even had a dog at some point. Um, yeah, it's like, like who does this world, world building? Like, Chef Boyardee, sure, okay, so he's based on a real person, but like, who is like, all right, we're going to have Captain Crunch, and then he's going to have a dog, and then he's going to have this bad guy, and then he's going to have this, like, this other thing, and then like, we're going to do all this stuff for a 10 second commercial. Like, who props to that person? Anyway, Chef Boyardee. All right. But, yeah, and I mean, in a nutshell, like, it was someone that worked at a restaurant as a kid. Um, I think by the age of 16, when he moved into the U.S., he was already working at uh, some famous hotel in New York. I forgot the name of it, but it was, like, a very prestigious one. He was, like, the head chef at that point. Was it the Waldorf? Which it... No, 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 not that one. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll look it definitely up. wasn't a... Yeah, he worked at some hotel, um, got a lot of notoriety. He was, like, the head chef. And then he started, then he was asked to, like, cater for, like, the president. And then at some point, like, during the war effort, um, he was asked to, like, to provide food for the soldiers. And they had to find a way to, you know, preserve the food and to create it quickly. So they made these canned foods. And I guess, like, in addition to that, I guess in his own restaurant side, he was actually, he was the kind of person that everything was, like, premium and you know it was really high quality italian food definitely not what you would associate with chef boyardee which i feel people associate with low quality quick italian kids food or something yeah but straight out of the can low rent just like it's a tomato sauce it's italian yeah and which is the opposite of what you know he was actually serving at his restaurants and he apparently also would give people the recipes to like what he was making well Actually, no, I take that back. People would ask for the recipes, but instead of giving them to him, 
giving the recipes to them, he would charge them to give them all the material they need to prepare the meal at home and just give them like the the instructions and everything was already pre-cut, pre-measured and so, all that. So, just prepare blue it. apron but in like the 40s or whatever. Exactly. Or the yeah, 20s like or whenever way it was. before or any of those kind of services, which is kind of cool. And apparently that side of the business was actually doing much better than anything else because people really liked to just pick up what they know will be really high quality Italian food that they could prepare at home at their leisure. And that's really cool. And unfortunately, it sounds like that didn't really take off. But at some point, um, I guess because the war effort ended and that is actually where the most money was coming from, you know, the government and all mm. the food that we're getting. They even gave them like a medal at the end of the war. I forgot which one it was. I think you remember, Jason. It was like a, uh, it was two. a star or something. I believe it was World War Two. Also, he worked at the Plaza Hotel, which you may know from Home Alone 2. Oh, that one. Yeah. Oh, hey. sorry. It was World War One. World War One, but yeah, he you know he got his medal. He was like really well renowned, and um, he essentially, unfortunately, came to the choice where after the war had ended, and you know they weren't getting all that money, they didn't have enough money to sustain all the employees. So he ended up selling his company to a bigger food distribution company, and just kind of retired after that. Like he he did like lend some support. He was there like as an advisor. He did appear on commercials, but. Like, the Chef Boyardee that we know today wasn't really his doing. Like, hmm. he just built up the company that would eventually lead to that. And I think, like, his actual name was Chef Boyardee. Like, spelled much, much differently. But because, you know, they wanted us American folks to pronounce it without any issues, they changed it to Boyardee. They even had, like, I think in their ads, a way to pronounce it. It was, like, B-O-Y-A-R-D-E-E. Yeah, and they, and they they like in the commercials. I remember they even like sort of emphasize each syllable in the little animation. Or yeah, <laughs> instead yeah. of bo e r d, yeah, it was a b o i a r. I don't know, you know, just a completely different spelling. But mm-hmm. no, no, I thought that was really interesting. I would have it's... never known, and I would have never bothered to even research this unless like just because I just happened to follow this random channel that bothers to go into all of that. And I mean, just as interesting stories for. Casio and Sony and Texas Instruments, like, damn. It is interesting that he was so ahead of the curve with Blue Apron. I mean, the thing about Blue Apron, I I use Blue Apron. It's great. But the thing about it is, like, you need the infrastructure in place, right? Like, you need to be able to have shipping that can turn around basically in a day so the food's fresh. You need to have those ice packs, which are super weird. I don't know what they are. They're not actually ice. So you get it, and it's like this frozen solid thing. They leave it in the sink, and it's plastic, and it turns into, like, this gel. And they just squeeze the gel out and wash it down the sink, and it's totally non-toxic and, you know, dissolves. But, like, it's ice prior, and then it's, like, this gel. Like, I'm not sure what it is, but um, either way. But, like, you have to have all that in place. You have to have the delivery infrastructure that now exists. And I feel like if he made Chef Boyardee's thing or Boyardee or whatever you say it uh, now as a delivery service, it would do much better than probably it did then just because it, it wasn't <laughs> Maybe in not place, with that you know? name. Imagine like, people could be like, wait, Chef Boyardee did like – Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now – I mean it has a very recognizable name. Yeah, I mean like if he existed but... in 2020, especially if he oh, existed yeah, yeah, in yeah. the pandemic where like – like have you seen the sheer number of Amazon Prime trucks that have like sprung up in the last year? Like they didn't have that many branded trucks a year ago. But like the pandemic and the delivery infrastructure and everything like escalated so quickly that like, you know, you could launch an at-home thing and probably be pretty successful this past year in particular. So you being someone that subscribes to Blue Apron, yeah. I mean – it, it, it may sound like a good business model. Send people the recipe and give mm-hmm. them the ingredients already prepared. They just have mm-hmm. to put it together. So it's not fully prepared. That's the they, thing. They want you to do some of the work. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah the idea you, is you to cook to, together. You still have to do some prep work. Yeah. So they, they give, give you, like, you they'll be everything like, oh, you, need. you need. Yeah. So they'll give you like a zucchini and you get to cut it. Or they'll give you a carrot and be like, you get to shred it. Or they'll give you some cheese and be like, you grate it. Um, but yes, all the portions are the correct size. Uh, it's great for me because frankly – I didn't know how to cook before. I mean, like, my biggest thing, and people are like, oh, well, you cook. I'm like, oh, I know how to make a Hot Pocket, am I right? <laughs> but uh, actually, that's not true in college. I also was able to make scrambled eggs, and I even got really crazy and one time put some lunch meat in the scrambled eggs and made a fake omelet. But I didn't know how to, like, wow. really cook. Like, I didn't know, like, chicken. Like, I, I maybe knew, but I never did it. And what's cool about Blue Apron is because they give you all the ingredients and because they give you the instructions, it's basically, like, training wheels to learn how to cook. Um, but so, like... 
I now know how to cook. Which was leading to my next question. Because like, yeah. because I'm guessing you've done this a few times, at any point do you ever actually try to remember what you're doing? That way it's like, oh, I mean, well, not that I know exactly what to get. I could literally go to the grocery store and grab the stuff. And on some level, and, and, anymore. and one thing that we're doing is we're keeping all the recipe cards. Um from all the past recipes so we have like on our kitchen in our kitchen we have like a shelf kind of above the sink and we have like on one shelf is like the recipe cards for this week and on the next shelf is kind of like this whole stack of the six months five months of recipe cards we have we do three a week so you know you can imagine how many that is and it's like we're basically building our own cookbook at this point and we can just grab whatever but um in terms of like learning what to do or remembering I think the big takeaway isn't so much, you know, knowing the exact recipe amounts to do, but knowing when things are like ready or knowing roughly the time, like the muscle memory of it all, like knowing the time that you need to give it, knowing the color or the texture something should be, like knowing all that is really why I think I'm learning pretty well. Um, and, you know, we, we surprisingly had few errors along the way. Like I can only think of one meal, maybe two, where it was like totally botched by us out of, you know, over – maybe over 100 at this point. So – um, yeah, it's been – if I did that math right. So yeah, it's been um, it's been good learning in that regard just to kind of understand the, the mechanics of how cooking food works and what to expect. A chicken – you know, chicken look like a certain amount or rice. If you don't have a rice cooker, like what's the right amount of time with our stove, with our you know pot or pan or whatever to get it not be porridgey, like all that sort of stuff. And, and Do you think and you're any just, closer to – taking off that training wheels um well you know it's funny because so we uh the blue apron subscription actually was a gift for my parent like a housewarming gift for my parents for like five or six months and we are about at the end of that run and i think we're gonna keep it going not because we're worried about like the training wheels but because there's something very convenient lazy yes uh <laughs> there's something very convenient about especially as covid is still kind of going even if it's wrapping up and everyone's getting vaccinated there's something very convenient about not having to go to the grocery store and deal with all of that and just having the stuff sent to you. And the value is so pretty good. So how much is it? Yeah, I was going to so say, like, how, like, I mean, it, it obviously has to cost a little more than, I mean, it's saving yeah, you the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. No, it, it does cost, it's less than eating out. It's more than if you just get it, like, raw at the store, so to speak. But it's, um, I believe it's, uh, I think it's 60 a week for three meals that serve two each. So six meals for 60 a week. But each meal, wait, no, that's wrong. So I think I, I I think I have that wrong because I think I did the math. It came out to five dollars a meal per person. Um, maybe three meals, two two meals a day for six days. No, then yeah, no, then it's ten dollars a meal, which isn't that good of a deal. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess it's ten dollars a meal. But then, like to give you an example, so okay, let's say a chicken meal is ten bucks. Yeah, because it's two forty a month, and there's three a week, and they each serve two people. So, yeah, I guess that would be $10, huh? Um, but the – let's use the chicken one for example. So they give you enough chicken for each to have like some chicken. Now, that also comes with all the other stuff, you know, like the rice, the veggie, what have you, and that's 10 bucks. One of the times the chicken accidentally leaked in the bag, so we ended – which happened. So we ended up going Oof. to pick up some chicken. Um, like it, it's in a double bag, so it wasn't bad, but, you know, once the chicken puncture, you don't want to use it. So we go pick up some chicken. We end up getting double the chicken that they gave us for $8. But we still would need to buy all the other ingredients. So theoretically, if I had to guess, that would be like you know thirteen bucks for everything. You probably have a little more than just the one meal. You probably have like a meal and a half worth of some of the ingredients. Like the chicken was, I think we had enough for about one and a half meals. Um, so at that point, it's like all right, it's a couple bucks less. You know, we're losing a couple bucks per purchase because we have like a meal and a half worth of ingredients instead of a meal with Blue Apron. But then again, you have everything there for you. You don't have to like go to the store. So that becomes like time versus money. And so, yeah, I think I we consider it a good value for what it is. And it's all like healthy and fresh and that's the key thing is it's all super fresh. So, yeah. But uh, it, it, it's been interesting because, yeah, I didn't know I could cook and now I can. Jason so. is evolving into. I mean, what's what's the most you've cooked, Angel? Because I've never seen you. I've never seen you cook. I've never seen you adulting. What do you kind of do? You cook? Uh, no, I don't think I've ever. I mean, I maybe just helped prepare some stuff a long time ago, but nothing. I never think I ever did any of the heavy lifting. Um, just make meatballs. Just like making meatballs, but for a stew, not like for like spaghetti stuff. Mm. Spaghetti, spaghetti stuff. Called, um, <laughs> yeah, spaghetti stuff. 
the gay um, stuff. I mean, I'm okay. Italian. I mean, the most the the most I did was just like kind of baking, you know, just baking that um bread using a rice cooker. Right, right. That was years ago. That. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that came out really good. Almost wasn't it rewarding though? As that mystery bread that I don't know the name of. <laughs> wasn't it? Isn't it rewarding though? Like when you did that, because that that's something I didn't expect with Blue Apron, and I feel like this is an audience of two because we're probably the only two people we know that like don't cook until now. But um, yeah, like I didn't expect like making your own meal and like saying it down and being like, yeah, I made that, and then eating it and be like, whoa, that's good, and I made that. Like it's very gratifying. Like no, it is very when gratifying. The bread came out well. It's very gratifying. It makes me feel like oh, I could just do this more often, and then you don't. Well, I ate it. But I mean, we yeah, one day. we we if we didn't have Blue Apron showing up three days a week, I don't know how often we'd actually cook. And I should be phrased, they send it to you in a box at Star Week. In fact, I think the box is probably sitting outside my front door right now as we record this. But um, yeah, and then you just guessing it has ice inside or something. Yeah, yeah, it has that weird ice gel stuff I was talking about. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, but yeah, and it's it's well, it is hot out today in LA. What is it right now? Maybe maybe I should go bring it in. Where, yeah, it's eighty three outside. I should probably bring it in when we're done recording. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, yeah, speaking but yeah. So blue apron. Hmm. Um. I was gonna say, speaking of hot summer heat, though. Um. I guess um a friend of ours, like literally a few hours before we re- started recording, sent us I guess that news that Tokyo Disney Seas is opening up a Peter Pan Tangled and Frozen area. Yes. And and did you get to go to Disney Seas, Jason? The last time I did not when I went to Japan. No, I made the conscious choice at the time maybe the wrong choice of you know like we have disneyland in california in fact i'm going to disneyland first week of june but we have disneyland in california um i don't need to go to disneyland in japan i should go do japan stuff in japan ah so you made a dumb dumb decision arguably yes but maybe not because uh, now not when i go to disney no, well, well hold not. on when i go to disney seas so, now the next time we go i have way more new things to experience than just like the two different rides so now there's like five so, different rides so to i guess like um, I guess process what Jason's train of thought was. Um, we don't have a Disney Seas here. Disney Seas is a completely different park compared to Disneyland. So Disneyland Tokyo Disney is, if you look at the map, it's almost identical to ours. So yeah, like that makes sense. I didn't go to Disneyland in Tokyo, right? Um, because it looked too similar. It's like why would I spend most of my day there or my limited time on a park that's mostly the same, with like a few exceptions. But there, instead of a California adventure, they have something called Disney Seas, which I think also predates our California adventure. Mm-hmm. And that park is mainly, mainly revolves around um, different coastal areas around the world, fictional or not. Because which, you see in Disney's mind, if you're going to be in an island nation like Japan, you better do things involving a coastline because Japan has a lot of it. That's probably how that ended up there in all honesty. Yeah. Which is such and, a dumb logic of like, oh, well, they have coastlines. We have coastlines. Let's do a theme park about coastlines. And it's my understanding that they have a very interesting relationship with Disney compared to other parks because Japan owns exclusivity of a lot of the stuff there and the themes or something like that. Like Japan, like they the also, country, like the government. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting. Like, Interesting. It was cut. It was kind of like, a, like, oh, we'll allow you to build more of the park or build like another section here, but we get full say of what goes in there, and you can't put it in other places. And which is why, like, if you go to Disney Seas in particular, you will see a bunch of mascots that you don't see in Disneyland anywhere. There is like a teddy bear. There's a cat. I think it's, the cat's name is Giuseppe. And there's like a bear, and there's like yeah some other animals that they're pretty prominent, like almost as prominent as Mickey and the others, which you is always kind of weird, but you know it's different. And I don't know, and this is really cool. Like they have like a place with a giant volcano. They have like a place that looks like it's supposed to be like Sicily or something. I don't know. It just looks really nice. Then they also have a little Agrabah. They have a little mermaid area. Like, the theming, it's just so... How, I don't know. It, it's mind-blowing. How many rides like, are I, there in total? Because that was what drove my kinda, decision. It's only, like, three, right? No, there's, there's a good number of them. I mean, oh, well, I as far as, like, up. big rides, there's, like... Yeah, big rides. Uh, I guess, like, two or three. But as far as, like, just attractions in general, there's just as many as any other park. Um... The only thing is that they're definitely more about, like, look how pretty this looks versus look how fast this goes. Like, mm. and 
I think it's a very worthwhile sacrifice. Like their biggest ride, I think it's called like Millions. It's like Leagues Under the No Journey to the Center of the Earth. Like that one, like the movie mi- from maybe, 2005 with The Rock or whatever. Maybe um, is a a, I didn't see the, I, did, I didn't see The Rock anywhere, but essentially that ride is inside the volcano. You're like going down and. Like the even the line, the queue for the line is like just amazingly themed. But the point is like that ride. You might people could probably argue that um, Incredicoaster or uh, whatever else is in California Adventure that I'm blanking out on. Besides Incredicoaster, that is up to that scale. There might not even be um, the Ferris wheel. Oh God. Um, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Well, uh, Toy I guess Story as as ride intensity. I guess there isn't a lot of rides in um because there's even a Toy Story section in, and Disney Seas. But point is like as far as ride intensity, it isn't that intense. But just seeing the the animatronics, the monsters, and everything else that's in there, like it's just really cool and just really different because it a lot of it isn't tied to a specific IP, so it just kind of lets them go crazy and just become original. And even, like, the underwater section of, like, Little Mermaid, you know, it's supposed to be underwater. It just has, like, giant fish, giant snails, like, mm. the lighting and the decorations. Like, it's just, it's crazy. And they do such a good job of, like, kind of making it really feel like you're in these different areas when you're kind of like normal Disneyland. You know, when you're in Tomorrowland, it feels like you're in a different, completely different area right, than, right, of course. than Jungle Adventure or whatever. Jungle uh, Adventure. Yeah, that, that's its name. Good old but, jungle adventure. But what if? But what I feel this one does a better job of is like keeping them separated. Because sometimes, I mean, it's unavoidable just based on the the terrain and stuff. That sometimes you can kind of see one area from another. <laughs> but this <laughs> one does a really good job of like blocking a lot of them and the transition. I don't know. I mean, this this is just kind of just in general. But it just felt it felt like it stood out more and it felt like all my friends like agreed that even if the rides weren't as like thrilling. Like, everything was just much more, like, whoa. Like, there was just so many, like, whoa moments. Like, just walking around, like, just seeing things. Well, let me ask and, you I this. Mean, and funnily case. enough, there's even, like, a, you know, there's a Long Beach area with, with a Queen Mary. What? You know, it's like, oh. It's just Wait, like, what? Oh. That's weird. Yeah. All right, let, let me ask you this, though. Um, So if you're saying it's kind of cool because it's its own isolated thing, it's really about the spectacle, how do you feel about the fact that what they're expanding it with are three very established IPs. Yeah, like it's frozen, like, it's, it's tangled, kind of... it's whatever the third well, one is. Like, does that? Do you think that's gonna hurt the immersion of this kind of weird, separate? I don't like think they gotta so. do what they want because with Journey to the Center of the Earth and that sort of thing. Or because as I've mentioned already, like they have an Agrabah, which you know, very much Aladdin. They have a Little true. Mermaid area, nah, but true, true. neither of those things are in any other place. And the way I thought it's like, oh man, if it's gonna be in Tokyo Disney, I mean in Disney Sea, then. They're gonna go all out with the theming and make it look really awesome. Fair. So, okay. It was so so it was just kind of that, and I mean, you know, like Peter Pan makes sense because you know this this a whole there's a whole ha- I mean, it's on an island. There's like water and stuff. The yeah. ones that I was having more trouble, like, huh, I wonder how it's gonna fit more into the Disney Sea side of it. Were Tangled and Frozen. Although that being well, said, Frozen Frozen exactly has the shore. For... True. I was gonna say Frozen has oh. the, like the towns on the shore. Oh yeah, you're right. But I kind of forget That's that easy. when I watch the movie. Tangled and it and Frozen, Ice, Frozen Water, you know. But t- Tangled's the one I don't get either. Now that you mention it, because that's yeah. inland. It's on a tower. It's very Rapunzel-y. Yeah, but that being but, said, I mean, Agrabah is there, and that's I think no one will think of water when you think of Agrabah because it's supposed to be like a desert. But right. the section where they did it is more like a marketplace, and they have like the nice palace fountains. I mean, it just kind of works. You kind of, if anything. It was just a nice way to break up the, I guess the water, the just the fact that everything does kind of revolve around water, but the um, water world, if you will. Yeah, not to be confused with Universal's Water World, but you know, because it almost does feel like you know it's all one giant unified theme with those exceptions, I guess. But I don't know, it's just all great, and I, I, I mean, I enjoyed that, that part so much that it. And, I mean, I enjoyed that place so much that I went there twice. Like, I mean, I went once with some other friends. And, oh, my God, their version of Fanta- Fantasmic, the light show, mm-hmm. like, way better than the one we have here. It feels like it's much longer. Because I remember recording it, and I was, like, comparing it to the one that we had. Like, oh, wait, we didn't have that. We didn't have that. 
they have like a giant stargate that emerges at some point and i don't know what it's, it's crazy wait what like, they, really? they they re- they really went all out huh and you know yeah because i when like i a was time just walking around with like a beer on hand or maybe two and whatnot but right yeah because yeah when i was um looking up going there like cause when my friend and i went to japan we were looking it up we're like oh there's only like three major rides like two major rides you know what let's just not but i didn't realize it was so like unique yeah it's just the, the theming is just really really great like it's definitely worth like if you're gonna go to one i would definitely pick disney seas because you know it's also something we don't have there we right. don't have here or anywhere right right it's like the it's the, it's the tokyo thing of disneyland but yeah definitely recommend that and I don't know. I'll be curious to see. I don't know why I even have time to go to, um, or if they'll even be done by the time we go to Japan. I mean, I know we have a trip coming up. Who knows when? Who? Yeah, who even knows when? I mean, it, it's fun. Yeah, because we're gonna do Nintendo World. And it's gonna be a big group of us, and we're gonna go originally in twenty. Definitely gonna have to go to Universal. Really want to go last time, but just yeah. always miss the chance because there'll be a Godzilla ride by the time we go there. That's apparently gonna be a permanent fixture, which is awesome. And they always have some kind of partnership with Capcom every year. Um, it's usually Monster Hunter. They'll have like life-size animatronic versions of the monsters and the armor and their move and it looks awesome. It's like Sometimes they're... they have Resident Evil collabs and they'll have like a whole Resident Evil maze where you have to run from Nemesis and all the other stuff, which is like, what the heck? Like, why don't we have any of this stuff it's, here? It's their, well, cause we have all, it's their version of Halloween Horror Nights. I mean, obviously Monster Hunter is not Horror Nights, but the, we do those sort of collaborations at the, we, Universal here in LA does that sort of collaboration with like Stranger Things or, you know, any of those. I can't remember any of the others off the top of my head, but they do. Yeah. They do. It's just the, the the IPs are a different focus because here, I, I guess media it's interesting is, when the primary think, media is movie and TV, not games. Like Japan is way more. Yeah, exciting. yeah. And, and I mean, like, it's not to say like I'm so disconnected from the media here that it's like, oh, Japan's are all the best because you know, like, yeah. I think Universal Studios here is also really, really awesome, and I love what yeah. they do. But you know, like seeing these franchises that I also. I put to really high regard, like, you know, like I mentioned, the Godzilla, the freaking Monster Hunter, or mm-hmm. Resident Evil. And I know they do something with Attack on Titan every year with, like, these life science one-to-one Titans you could take pictures with and stuff. It's like, that, oh, that's man, pretty I wish cool. I was here. You know, there but, is something to be said where I'm like, oh, the primary media here is movie and TV. Like, not really. I mean, it is in the culture, but, like, in terms of, like, what the culture perceives. But gaming is the biggest, the biggest form of entertainment in terms of money. Like, it is odd, and it's start. I think it's starting to come around as like gamers become like parents and adults, and you know whatever. But uh, more so now than even ten years ago. But it is odd that like video games are always like, oh, well, why would they do a video game where there's like a movie or TV show? Like, why are they doing? You know, why not Resident Evil when they can do Stranger Things? But like, really, Resident Evil's huge. It's sold like 120 million copies over the years. Like, video yeah, games are a huge, I mean, huge, huge, huge market. It's so weird how our culture is I mean, still backwards like that. Yeah, I mean, we are finally getting some headway with that with Nintendo in Universal Studios California. Yes, that's true. Construction's underway. They just put up the sign a couple weeks ago on the on the wall. It's it's happening. But even then, like Nintendo's like a, a an exception. It seems like Nintendo's like something yeah, that like, rises above video gaming. Like if you're like, hey, you know, you're gonna do a thing around video games. No one's gonna necessarily either. They're gonna go, oh, you mean Nintendo, or they're gonna be like, oh, well, Nintendo doesn't count. Like it's not like in the same conversation as other video games. It's like it's either it's is or it isn't. You know what I mean? Like if they say video games, is it Nintendo yeah. or is it everything else? And that's what's weird because gaming's so big now. It's I mean like we're starting to turn the corner, kind of. Like I feel like honestly, Netflix doing all the adaptations of different games, The Witcher, Castlevania. Uh, I think there's a couple others they announced in just the last couple months here. Like, that may help. But there's definitely, like, this weird for a while there. Gaming was huge, but it was always kind of second fiddle in the conversation. Which, yeah. it's such a stigma no, or something. Flipped. I don't know. But it's, yeah, and in Japan it's completely flipped. Or it's on the exact same footing and has been for decades. And how um, do you feel about, like, I mean, we're talking about all these parks that have, you know, themes or yeah. some kind of, like, direction. Have you been to, I mean, I feel like you must have because you, I don't know, visited New York often, but have you been to theme parks that are specifically just for the roller coasters? And I feel like I like Magic how you're like, have you been to that? theme parks? You go to New York often as if New York City just has a roller coaster in the middle of Times Square. Uh, well, because I'm thinking um, of Coney Island or whatever that yes. place is. Yes. Oh, that's fair. I, because I should it, have made that association. Because it's just yeah, like, um, it's just a place with attractions. It's not like, I mean, you could argue Magic Mountain is kind of what I'm saying, but you know, that has the Looney Tunes thing 
DC Warner Brothers loosely tied to it. That one's almost yeah. like they have the theme park and they're like, oh, we need something to bring in one, like bring in. No, that's a hundred percent it. That is a hundred percent it. Six Flags is like, hey, we don't have a mascot, we don't have a character, so they made deals and they have like, I don't yeah, because it doesn't make sense. Like, around. There's, like there's there's really, really any random. themed areas like there yeah. is in Disneyland. It's just like the Green Lantern roller coaster. It's just green, or you know, yeah, stuff like that. But to the your point, yeah, I no, think I, they get to it. It's like the Superman escape, but yeah, like, have you been to any? Yeah, road, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean well, that are well, just yeah. So in in my in my youth, when I was a kid, my childhood in Montana, we didn't have theme parks, but we had a carnival that came through with our our Western Montana Fair once a year, which was a big deal. It's the biggest fair in like the whole western half of the state, as the name implies. Um, but yeah, they had a carnival, and it was just you go because there's like fun rides. Like you didn't need the theme. You just go for the ride. So there'd be like a fun house and a mini roller coaster and bumper cars and this and the next thing. And then, of course, they'd have all the weird fair stuff like, hey, look at this pumpkin. Isn't it big? Or whatever. But I mean, they had a petting zoo and they had horse races, which was something. There's actually a horse race track. But point is, um, yeah, like you would go to the carnival to go on rides. You didn't need the extra marketing push. Like same with uh, – there were uh-huh. a couple times I'd drive over to uh, uh, Idaho with my parents. There's like a place called Coeur d'Alene. There's no like – that has kind of like a nice lake and somewhere in that vicinity, I think a few hours away from it, was a theme park called like Silver Spur, Silver Track. I haven't thought about it in years. The fact that you're asking is the first time even, it even crossed my mind in like a decade. But whatever it was, it too was just like we got some rides. Like they had some cool roller coasters. They had um, you know, uh, merry-go-round and bumper cars and like all that various stuff, little things, big things. And I think the thing is, the reason theme parks have themes is if you look at, honestly, Southern California, we got Disneyland, we've got Universal, we've got Six Flags, we've got Knott's Berry Farm. And if you look at them and you look at Knott's, I would say Knott's is most like what a theme park is without a theme. I mean, I don't know whose idea was let's theme an entire theme park around picking berries and making pies. But ultimately, it's not uh, much wait, of a theme. Wait, have you not been to North? The, the, the theme is literally like the old West and old time USA. I know, but my point – yes, that's true. But my point is like it doesn't have like a branded theme. literally have ghost towns. But it does, yes, but it doesn't have like a branded And authentic to it. schools where kids actually went to back in the day. That's the true. West I sat in that classroom once with you and there's yeah. a teacher that was teaching the us things. West. It was really weird. Yeah. But no, but like it was like – yeah. But yeah, very like – yeah, they're the kind of try- like it's very like frontier, like home, like just kind of it is, um, and that and that's more of a theme. But what I'm getting at is that's the closest to like what it's like to have a theme park without a theme. There's no IPs, there's no tie-ins. Literally, the biggest tie-in is we also well, make pies. Like it's not Snoopy, not Spray Farm, but the, I mean they brought that in later. Yeah, Snoopy in on the same I- way six. No, I know, I know, but it still has way, that. Yeah, like that's true. But the only point one is, I like, can think of that doesn't you, have anything is Cedar Point, but that's like not in California. That's like in. I that one has the claim of the biggest Denver? roller, highest drop oh, of a right. roller coaster ever, or something. So, <laughs> but yeah, but I thought that's just like because it's actually sticking to crazy roller coasters. Well, that's his theme, which right? I know you're a big fan of. I mean, uh, nope, not boring. at all. But um, no, but my point was what I was getting at by sort of calling out knots for not having much is um, we have all these very themed theme parks because they're kind of competing with one another, right? Like. Yeah. Did, like they have to distinguish each other. So you have Six Flags, which is like, oh, we're crazy roller coasters. And they have Disney, which is like, oh, we're Disney and Universal's Universal. And then Knott's like, I guess we have Snoopy now. Um, but like for a lot of the country, either you make a big trip to a destination that is a theme or you just settle for anything that's kind of fun. And like the Western Montana Fair was just kind of fun. Like it was just fun. Or like that one in Idaho I went to. Just kind of like, oh, this is cool. Like no, but I mean like it in the sense of you're not going yeah, like yeah. oh I can't wait to go to the ma- most magical place on earth I'm gonna meet Mickey you're just like I want to ride a ride or two and I'm gonna go do it and I don't know why you talk in that voice when you do it but um so I think to your point about like theme parks without themes there is a place for them I think there's not much of a place for them out here because everyone's competing with one another it's very cutthroat but like in Montana I, I love theater point can survive over there exactly and, and, and yeah and like and like I loved when the fair came through town in Montana because it was like a fun day. Uh, at rides in the same way that Disneyland is. But because there's no, like, Disneyland down the street, you're like, okay, yeah, this is good. This is fine. It's about, you know, the rides, right? And it's about hanging out with friends. And 
obviously the Disney nerds and the Universal nerds, like and us Nintendo nerds at Nintendo World, we're going to be super into those things. That's going to drive us to go to those parks, even if it means, in our case, flying to Japan. But if you just want to, like, have a fun day, you don't need the theme to do it. You know what I mean? Like, that's the difference, I think. Like, the theme parks are destinations where you plan a trip around for most people. We're fortunate that we have them all right here. The carnivals, the fairs, the like just the random six flags around the country that maybe just have Bugs Bunny just so a kid could go get a photo with him but really don't have much of a theme. That's if you want to like go hang out with your friends somewhere for a day and go on some fun rides. So there is kind of a difference in my mind, I think. And I think having gone from not having theme parks to having theme parks, I'm more appreciative of what the theme parks can bring to the table beyond just a ride. Like it's not – you know, like Cars Land. The Cars yeah, ride's really cool but like – what makes it cool is the car's theme and what it represents. Otherwise, it's just a roller coaster with no drops. Which I think is what, like, I feel like really tells you what's really special about Disney Thieves. Because for that one, I think we, like, my friend and our theme park um, aficionado, we actually call him Disnerd in our chat. Um, he, <laughs> I think I came up with like, that, he actually, was, didn't I? Like, he was actually, like, really raving about Disney Thieves because, like, yeah, I guess it was just really about really well done theming more so that you can just enjoy it for what it is and not even have a ton of like heart pounding rides. Just a few fun yep. ones, but you just have so much fun just walking around and looking at stuff. And it's the immersion and it's the continued immersion. Oh, man. The That's what's standing man. out theme parks from, you know, just a Six Flags or whatever. And, you know, not OK. I guess they're Western Frontier. You're right. And they do have the ghost uh, town wooden roller coaster thing, which is actually pretty cool. In its in its weird oldness, even though it hurts your neck when you do it, but um, yeah, like I think I think that's yeah. what's happening is you look at Disney Seas as maybe the prototype of it, but now you look at Star Wars uh, Galaxy's Edge, which I get, I'm going to experience for the first time in about a month, um, and you look at what they're doing with the Avengers Landing, which is opening at California Adventure in about a month, and you look at Nintendo World, and you look at all that, and you look at like Pandora at uh, for Avatar down at Disney World in Florida, and like it is further. Almost to my point about theme parks versus just rides and attractions, there is now a split where you need the deeper immersion. You need immersion. You need to make it feel more like a destination. And I think um, some of that may be because some of the lesser carnivals are now like, oh crap, we need to get some characters in on this, and they bring Snoopy to Knots. And Disney's like, well, okay, if they have Snoopy at Knots, and we have Mickey here, what do we do? Well, we step up. We step out our step up our IPs to make it even more appealing for people to come here. And live inside these worlds, which is something the competitors can't do in the same way. At least that's what they think. I mean, Universal's yeah. pretty neck and neck now with like Nintendo World and stuff, and Harry Potter. Forgot Harry Potter. Um, but yeah, I think I think really that's the distinguishing factor is oh, the immersion. Nice. And and plus, as people go more online and like to share on social media, and like you know, there's digital things you can do, like go live in Fortnite for a while. Like you really need to step up the immersion to sort of in the same way that movie theaters need to come up with more ways to get people into seats in a movie theater. Like there's so many cool things and even traveling tours. Like there's stuff Nintendo's put together that we've gone to that we're like, whoa, this is like really legit. Like E3, like their booth, the way they turn into like kind of like a makeshift New Donk City one year or whatever. But they have these huge statues of Mario and like the bullet bills and all yeah, that. Yeah, they feel like a mini theme park. For yeah, sure. so if, even because of that, like if Nintendo's able to do that for three days. Disney has got to do something on the scale of Pandora, Galaxy's Edge, I guess Tokyo Sea is based on what you're saying, to sort of be like, well, if anyone can materialize those things in a week, for a weekend, we got to do something that's more permanent, that's more grounded, that really you got to spend your money on. And I think that's a large part of why they're now doing that Star Wars hotel in Florida too. I don't know if you know about that. There's a hotel they get stay in next to uh, Galaxy's Edge in Florida. The entire hotel is themed like Star Wars. The windows are all screens that make it look like you're in space or on a planet. All the staff are like Star Wars people. They're, you know, like kind of dressed like they're in that universe. There's droids rolling around. There's like lightsabers you can buy. Like it's supposed to be like you are on a ship in Star Wars because at that point, Disney needs to figure out, well, if all the hotels are pretty decent quality around here, what do we do to be able to charge you even more and make you feel like it's even more worth your while? You got to turn the hotel into a themed experience in and of itself. Which they kind of dabble in. There's like a tiki hotel in Florida that I stayed at when I went. And there's like, you know, obviously Grand Californian and California Adventure and all that. But like they got – they're stepping it up because everyone's – the bar is being raised for people who want a theme park versus just like some rides at Carnival. Damn. That's my two cents at least. And very valuable two cents indeed. Thank you. Thank you. It's worth approximately two cents. 
And that um, just about puts us at the end of the, the Jason Angel, Angel Jason Power Hour. I mean, it's been about an hour, and it was um, pretty some powerful stuff. Powerful bread, shakes, Manischewitz. Yeah, bunch of other stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Nest Quick see. or Nestle Quick, take your pick. They both yeah, mean Nestle, the same thing. Boy R D, Disney C's. Hard. I count this is the one Damn. time we actually review all the topics we discussed, even though it is our shortest thing we've done. <laughs> like we do two hour episodes where it's like, you know what we talked about this morning. Like, well, let us tell you. We talked about bread. We talked about more bread. We talked about milk. But yeah, this was as far this as um, I guess I like house. It. As far as housekeeping, um, yeah, you can follow me at at Wayro W E I R O O underscore O. Um, you can follow Jason at whatever it is JSR Seven. Um, wow, we've only been doing this for a decade. And you can listen to us at various places. Mm-hmm. Would you like to elaborate on that? <laughs> uh, Spotify, Stitcher, mm-hmm. uh, randomnintendo.com. Correct. I know YouTube, randomnintendo.com, and uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at randomnintendo so you know when our next episode hits, our next regular, our next QC. Hopefully Kevin's a lot – actually, you should also follow Kevin at KVNGOMI. So you know where he is and what he's doing. You may know more than us. He may have tweeted while we were doing our power hour, and we don't even know. But you could. You could know. Yeah. And um, because this is our, I mean, like I said earlier, this is extremely off the cuff. We don't really have an exit. So uh, I guess we'll just end with our our slogan. Um, we have a slogan? And uh, the, the, the thing we used in the beginning. The, oh, God, we have to talk in unison again? Yeah. Um, okay. So are we just gonna, so so we're just gonna say like, this was the power hour, I guess, but in unison. Yeah, yeah. And this was the power. Hour. Yeah. On three. Okay, on one. three. Okay. You counted two. in. All right. One, two, three. And this, and this was the power hour. God damn. What? Right. What? What did I do wrong? All right. Bye. All right, bye. <laughs>